there. Welcome to the Northwest Audio Podcast Midweek Formation. My name is Nick. I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke. Today we're starting a new collection of teachings on spiritual practices and disciplines. Uh, We'll be doing this for the next six weeks. It's going to be a great time talking about all things spiritual life. Uh, But before we start that off today, we actually got a sermon question on Easter Sunday that we want to take some time to answer and talk about a little bit. So Luke, why don't you hit us with that question? Yes, I would love to. And thanks for the person who asked this question. Uh, This was the question. Quote, this may seem like a dumb question, but here it goes. Let me just pause there. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Yeah, no dumb questions here. No dumb questions. Although I know this person and this person's just being like super humble and modest. It's it's not a dumb question. It's actually a really good question. It's a great question. Here's the question. What did the resurrection accomplish? Our salvation was purchased two days earlier on the cross. We thought about proving he was God, but surely all his miracles and raising of others from the dead had proven that by Sunday. So what is the most important thing accomplished by the resurrection? It's a great question. Um, There's probably like the complex answer that would take 40 minutes in a podcast. And then there's like the simple answer that gave it no thought. And then there's like the in-between answer, which is like, here's a simple response that gave it some thought, but the reality is it's a starting point, not an end point. Yeah. So I would say this, the resurrection from the grave was proof of supremacy over evil and darkness. And so although our, um, although our salvation was purchased on the cross, the empty tomb was kind of the receipt. If mm. we're going to use the purchase receipt language, yeah, and so the empty tomb is um, Jesus's supremacy over life and death itself. And so, if if Jesus died on the cross, purchasing our salvation, um, we would be worshiping a dead king. Yeah, that'd be a pretty terrible end of the story. God's dead. The end. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's a lot of the world's faith systems. Right. You know, there's a lot of faith systems through, throughout the entire world that are worshiping um, or venerating someone who's not alive. But the resurrection, the empty tomb, was the receipt from the purchase. It was supremacy over darkness and death. And now our king is alive again. So salvation was purchased. And salvation was like almost like pr- proved. There was a purchasing, and then mm. there was a receipt. Yeah, I actually um, I heard it said once from I think it was just it might have been in a book that I was reading, um, but it talked about something like to add to that. It talked about Jesus showing the way, and how Jesus throughout his entire life, like throughout his ministry, he was showing a way to live, um, and then. On, on Good Friday, he showed a way to die, a, di- a death of humility, a death of, of suffering on behalf of somebody else. And then he showed the way to life again. And so it's like, it's almost this bookend thing of Jesus is like, hey, this is how you live. This is how you die for those around you. This is how you love. And, and when you do all of these things, when you follow me, when you believe in me, you'll walk out of that grave after you die. 
Like you follow me and you'll follow me right into the grave and right back out. Um, and so that can't be missed because if we walk into the grave with Jesus, I sure hope we walk out with him too. If we just walk in and just stay there, then that's, man, that is not something that I want to base my life around. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to sit in a tomb. Um, and so I think that's that also brings a lot of um, closure to the situation, if that's the right word. Um, it brings the situation full circle. Yeah, and there, there's also just a, a kind of final thought on that before we move on. It also fulfills a lot of biblical prophecies. Yes. And so the, the plan was always for God to put Jesus on the cross and resurrect him from the grave. And there was many prophecies about that very thing. I mean, Jesus even said, take down this temple, I'm going to raise it back up in three days. Yeah. And so again, supremacy over all things, supremacy over life and death itself. But phenomenal question. Yeah, great question. Uh, and by the way, if you, listener, have any questions, you just saw it right here. We we want to answer them. We want to spend time talking about them and, and talking through the things that, that you're struggling with, that you're wrestling with. Um, so please send those questions. You can do that on the website um, under media. You can find a place to ask your questions there. All right, let's get into the spiritual practices, shall we? We shall. All right. So today I, I titled I titled the episode Creating Space uh, because that's, in essence, what spiritual disciplines are for. They're for creating space. Uh, that's language that I, that I got from the Bayma podcast from Marty Solomon. He uses the language of creating a space um, for God and kind of brings it out of um, the story of the tabernacle. And how, how God literally said to the people, they said, hey, you create a space and I will fill it. Create a tabernacle, create a space, and I will dwell in it. And so spiritual disciplines, in essence, are, are us creating space in our life for God to fill. Okay? We want to find ways so that God can fill our lives, but in order to do that, we have to create the space. If we are, if we are crammed if our schedules and our and our brains are just full to the max and we can't fit anything else, then how can we possibly expect God to fit in there? We have to create space. We have to open our eyes up to where God can be and is. So, some things about spiritual disciplines. Um, and I'm going to be getting a lot of this material from Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes if you want to read it. Definitely recommend it. Uh, and I'll link a couple other books in there as well about spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices and all the things that you can read. Spiritual disciplines are the means God uses to build in us an inner person that is characterized by peace and joy and freedom. Okay, spiritual disciplines are means. They're not ends, they're means. Okay, and the goal of these spiritual disciplines is that God will use them to build in us a person that is characterized by peace, joy, and freedom. Okay, and so I know that for, for some people, when they, when they think of spiritual disciplines, they might think of like, oh, you know, so you just lock yourself in the room and you sit in spiritual meditations and prayers and stuff. Like, that's no way to to live as a Christian, you're supposed to live on mission. You're supposed to be out there. You're supposed to be doing the work. Like it's that whole idea of like, I don't want your thoughts and prayers. I want your action kind of thing. 
But what Foster actually has to say to this, he says, their concern is that by focusing on inward matters will neglect outward needs. But such concern, however, fails to understand the full thrust of the spiritual disciplines themselves. Any genuine immersion in the spiritual disciplines will lead us to our neighbor, the person who is near to us. True godliness does not turn us away from hurting, bleeding humanity. Rather, it enables us to live fully alive in the midst of human need and enlivens our abilities to bring a healing presence to the bruised and broken around us. Yeah, Nick, that reminds me of a, a trip I took a couple years back to um, Tampa, Florida, where a group of pastors was learning about multiplication and mobilization within their community. And I remember one of the the presenters, his name was Brian, he was talking about how if we genuinely seek the face of God, we will inevitably find ourselves among the poor. Yeah. And I remember thinking about how powerful that um, linear journey is. You know, you start by seeking the face of God, and you're transformed by that encounter. And somehow God mysteriously and spiritually um, brings you to a place of being with people, being with the needs of the people. And so spiritual disciplines are not meant for um, Christians to become modern-day monks. Right. And although I have nothing but respect for the monastic movements of church history, like quite frankly, some of that sounds quite delightful. Yeah. To escape <laughs> to a to a monastery and be distraction free. And I've always wrestled with that because um, as an introvert, I would love to do that. <laughs> I would love I bet you would to escape to a quiet space and have hour upon hour of prayer and contemplation and meditation. But ministry I believe fails to be ministry without people. Hmm. And when you're called and a church is called, they're called to be present in the midst of their community. And so those spiritual disciplines, those creating spaces for us to encounter and meet with the Lord, meet with God, will will, will lead to people. Yeah, They will lead to people. Because God will never give you something to keep. He gives it to you to give it away. Mm, that's good. You know how I mean? And so, um, yeah, I just, for anyone who's just like, oh gosh, they're talking about spiritual practices and disciplines. Here we go with the whole monk language. Right. And, you know, but that's that's a piece of the puzzle. But the fuller picture is like, you need this. You need a life of discipline and practice. Right so that you can be more present with people, so you can be more uh, impactful with the people God's called you to interact with. And God will, conversely, also not give away from you what he hasn't developed in you first. Right. So like, if it doesn't grow inside of you, you won't be able to give it away. Which says a lot about how fruitful our ministries will be if we're not taking time to make space for God spiritually. Yeah. Like, if we're not have, if nothing's happening in here, then we're not going to be able to be very effective out there. Yep. At least not as effective as as God desires us to be. Yep. And it's the it's the classic every pastor gets trapped in this, every church gets trapped in this in the season of their of their um growth and but you know growth can become such an idol. And mm. growth is really just the result of presence, right? right? It is in, it is the goal yeah. is encountering Jesus. 
and growth is the result of that. Yeah, it's almost like the um, in Matthew six, seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah, and all of these things will be added. All of these things will will happen as you seek first the kingdom of God. Just set your eyes on that one thing. Yeah, you know, just will that one thing, and all the other things will fall into place. I also think it's really important for our our, our listeners to get an idea of, as Nick is talking about what it is and what it is not, maybe this analogy would help. Um, You know, there, I heard a pastor once describe, he pastors in Portland, he talked about how he always ran past this place called Jesus Dojo. And it was a, it was like a training gym. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the owner like facilitated like spiritual formation and Bible studies within, you know, that context. And the pastor eventually stopped and was able to interact with him. He's like, why did you call it? Jesus Dojo <laughs> and the owner of the gym was just like, well, it's because a life after Jesus is is actually a life of practice, but our churches are set up like lecture halls, not gyms. And I was like, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> and so, but there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. You know, because it's actually on the court, it's on the field where players practice and get yeah. good at their game. But our churches are are set up like universities, are set up like lecture halls. Yeah. So creating space to practice prayer, to practice these disciplines, is ultimately the difference maker. You yeah. will never get good at what you don't practice. Yeah. We must practice these. Yeah. And so don't think like, oh, I'm not good at this, so I won't be able to do it. No, no you're no, not no, no, good no. at it because <laughs> you didn't practice yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like you have to get out of that mindset. Like it's okay to be a, a beginner. Like being a beginner is okay. <laughs> it's okay to not be able to sit for hours in silence with God. I don't think I could sit in silence. Like I honestly, I'd probably fall asleep. <laughs> if I tried to just sit in prayer with God for four hours, count me out at hour two. Like I will pass out asleep. Nick, Nick calls that spiritual sleep. Spiritual sleep. Yes. God wants me to take a nap. <laughs> uh, but the spiritual disciplines are for everybody. Okay. No matter where you're at in your spiritual walk, because spiritual disciplines are it's, that's all it is. It's just a discipline. It is a discipline and a practice to create space for God. So one of the things that I want to say that spiritual disciplines are not, okay, they are not a series of religious duties. We're talking about um, how we need to make space to do these things, do these things, do these things, but we have to make sure that we don't go too far and just make it this duty that we have to do. Okay, Richard Foster says that we only, we have only one thing to do, namely to experience a life of relationship and intimacy with God. Okay, the spiritual disciplines are an inward and spiritual reality, and the inner attitude of your heart is far more crucial than the mechanics for coming into the reality of the spiritual life. So let's let's use fasting as an example. Being moved inward and spiritually by God through a fast is way more important than how long your fast is or how you're supposed to start your fast or break your fast or what you're fasting from. Like, Don't get so caught up in the mechanics of everything and in the duties of everything that you miss the point. Because like I said, spiritual disciplines are a means to an end. Okay, They are only good insofar as they lead you to the heart of Jesus. And so if they're not doing that, they're not doing their job. <laughs> they're not. This is not any good if it's not doing anything. For all my OCD people like me, 
who have to like finish a page. Like when you're in the middle of a book, like let's just say you're on chapter three, but you're super tired, but you've got like two pages to go. Oh, that's so me. I'm yeah. that person. You have to finish those last two pages yes. before you get to chapter three. So then you go to bed, but you don't actually get anything or remember anything from those last two pages because you're so tired. Oh, that's a great point. We, oh my gosh. We like, we treat <laughs> the spiritual practices and disciplines with like over obligation. Yeah. These are not obligations. These are mercies, right? These are, yeah. these are graces. Like you keep saying they're means, they're means, they're means. And so which means that you don't have to operate them with perfection for them to serve you well. Yeah. The practices and disciplines are for you to be in Christ's presence so that you can be present with people. Yep. An encounter for an encounter. An encounter with Christ for an encounter with people. Yeah. And if they're not doing that, you're better off just not doing them. Because it's only gonna it's only gonna make you more stressed out. It's gonna be more of a bondage because you feel like bound to this thing that God wants you to do. Yeah, and it, it, it's gonna drive the OCD people like myself crazy. Yeah. Because if you don't if you don't do them with perfection, like your the obligation will feel it will feel like obligation. Like I have to do this because if I don't do this and I didn't do it perfectly. Yep. And we've just totally missed the point of them. Yeah. No, that's good. That's like pick up the basketball and start shooting. Yeah. So for all of our listeners who understands sports, they'll understand training and how important training is to be successful in that sport. But if you're not a sport person, you have habits in your life and disciplines in your life that you don't even know you have. Yeah, that's true. Right. And so there's, there's the habit and discipline of you. If you're a person of hygiene, you'll brush your teeth. Twice a day, morning and evening, right? And you also are disciplined with typically three square meals a day. Like you're not going to lose, you're not going to miss a meal. You're more disciplined than you think you are. Yeah. It's just easy to overlook those regular practices, regular disciplines. But as Thomas Aquinas has said here, habit overcomes habit, right? And so a lot of us have really good habits, like, or practices like brushing your teeth. A lot of us have really poor habits, like opening up your phone every single time you want to check out, and then we're distracted. Yep. We're like we're distracted by the everyday normal stuff of life. Like, oh, I had a long day. I deserve to get on social media. Yeah. Well, and honestly, if you really want to know how bad of a habit it is, if you have an iPhone. Go on settings, go to screen time, and look at how many pickups you had. It's probably embarrassing. I sometimes will just pick up my phone and turn it on with no agenda. I just turned it on because I didn't know what else to do. And then I'll be like, I had nothing to do on here, and I'll just turn it off. Yep. So he, so here's the, here's the takeaway. The only thing that can break a bad habit is a good one. The yeah. only thing that can yeah. break the power of bad discipline is introducing good discipline. So the only thing that can break us out of like, oh, yeah. it's bedtime, gonna jump on my phone, rather than like sit by your bedside. Is by doing something else at bedtime. You've gotta yeah. choose to do something else. And creating that space, like going back to your original thought, Nick, like creating the space to meet with God and yeah. develop and build an inner life with him through disciplines yeah. and practices. You know, we're listeners, we're kind of using the word discipline and practices synonymously. Yeah, interchangeably. Yeah, they're pretty much the they're pretty much the same when it comes to this, um, because it is both, it is a discipline and it is a practice. Yeah, um, 
And one thing I want to I want to talk about how you kind of mentioned the whole like inner life thing. And I know we met we talked about how this isn't just about your inner life, but how your inner life then moves outward. Um, but I also want to mention that this isn't about making your spiritual life, quote unquote, healthier. Okay, I don't want I don't want our church to become a church where it's like we have our work life, our church life, our home life, and our spiritual life. No, 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 no. Your spiritual life is in all of it. Like it's just life. We've almost we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot by compartmentalizing our whole entire world and our existence and our reality. Because God is not interested in just one section of your life. God is interested in all of your life. He is interested in all of it. And and what you do with these practices and and how often you practice them and and how serious you take them will determine how God affects those other parts of your life. You're creating a space for God to affect your whole life. God is trying to completely transform you. And and I don't mean transform as in he's trying to transform you into this this super person who is not you at all. But it's actually more, as Soren Kierkegaard would say, he would say, now with God's help, I shall become myself. Because God created you with a purpose. God created you with an intent. And God is trying to get you there. Okay, because we have we have gone off the stray path. We've gone somewhere else. We've, like Luke said, we've taken these other habits and we've gone this other direction. And God's like, hey, let me help you get back to what you're supposed to be. Let me help you get back to who you are. Like, become yourself. Yeah, at one point, didn't we say something to the effect, like, all formation is counter-formation? Yes. And how the 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 life of yeah. practice and discipline is a life of continued formation, but it's counter-formation. Like, so to, to Kierkegaard's point there of, like, with God's help, I shall become myself. Well, the reality is, is none of us look like our true selves right now because we're distracted. Yeah. We've been formed by society yeah. and culture. Uh, we have very little inner life with God. Uh, we're terrified of being alone. Yeah. Uh, there's all these things that have formed us and, and an inner life with God, a life of practice and discipline is counter formation. It's, it's, it's yeah. forming us counter to the way we've defaulted formed. Yeah. We've, we've I, formed default. So if we think about it, this is not an add on to your discipleship. This is not just a piece of the puzzle. It's not just a part of uh, this one compartment of your life. This is your discipleship. Creating space for God is your discipleship. It is your relationship with Christ. It is your your time at home with your family. It is your time with your friends and, and your coworkers. Because spiritual practices and disciplines are the means by which God transforms ourselves. He transforms our inner selves and then moves outward. Okay, an example of this. The, the, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, God loves a cheerful giver. Our response to that should not be, oh, then when I give my tithe this month, I'll try to be happy about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not what we should do. When God, says, when God says he loves a cheerful giver, what that actually means is that it, we've been so formed from the inside out that we are delighted to give. There you go. That's beautiful, man. That we are delighted to give and, and to pour out and to serve because God has moved us and transformed us in our inner life. You will become a cheerful giver 
when you spend time with God. It will just happen. John Orberg literally says, the primary goal, the primary goal of spiritual life is human transformation, is to take you from point A to point Z. And it's just a constant thing. Now, I think we've hit this dead horse enough about how spiritual disciplines are very important for your whole entire life. They are for the benefit of becoming more like Jesus, changing your inner self, and then moving outward. But the last thing that I want to touch on before we close up here is that there's no exhaustive list of disciplines. Okay, Um, Over the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about just six of them. Okay, Six that we felt were, were important and necessary for our church to hear right now in this current season. Um, you know, a year from now, we might feel like, oh, our church needs this one right now. Um, but for these six weeks, we're going to be talking about silence and solitude, simplicity, scripture reading, fasting, celebration and gratitude, and stewardship and generosity. Those are the six. And so each week we're going to tackle those and we're going to talk about what it looks like to actually do that in your life. Um, And I'm really hoping that this transforms our inner selves. That we'll take some of these practices, even just a couple. Uh, The point of this is not to just do all of them forever. Uh, That's impossible and honestly it would be a very heavy burden to try and do every single thing at the same time. Uh, No, like I said, this is a means to an end. And so right now may not be a season where you can do one of these practices, but you can do a different one. Like find the ways that you can create space for God in your life. You know, have a season, have a rhythm of doing, you know, for these select months out of the year, I do these practices because I can't go outside because it's cold. It's 10 degrees outside. I'm not going to go for a walk every morning. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's just not your thing when it's cold outside. So you can have rhythms and do different things at different times to to bring yourself into the presence of God. Okay, the point is not to do all of them, but the point is to be transformed. All right, everyone. So you've heard that we are going to spend the next six weeks creating space. You've heard the six topics that we're going to address. We think that the our, our church is um, perfectly poised to um, learn and apply and, and, and practice these spiritual practices. And so I would just, you know, begin to prepare your heart and mind for, for this next season. Um, and I, I'm here to tell you that every, every great man and woman that I have ever respected, admired, and followed um, have an inner life with God that is uh, packaged with practice and discipline. Yeah. And God tends to only take someone as wide as he takes them deep. Mm. And so an inner life with God is critical to whatever missional impulse or calling you have on on your life. And the practices are a way to build an inner life with God. So that is going to create space. Another way that we're going to create space is operationally. This summer, we are actually going to take the summer off from recording podcasts to create a rhythm. Our new rhythm is going to be nine months on, three months off. Um, the setup and teardown, recording, editing, and producing of the podcast is well worth the work, but it is a lot of work. And uh, we're committed to it, yeah. and we're committed to continuing to offer this really 
what I would just call is a beautiful um, supplementary uh, formation uh, for you, for your week. And you can catch it whenever you can catch it, which is awesome. But uh, for the sake of um, some of the staff's health, uh, we are going to uh, take the summer off, which means that at the end of this six weeks of, of um, practices, uh, the summer begins for us and we'll be back in the fall. Yeah. Good things. We love rhythms. Yes, we do. Rhythms are healthy. Rhythms are good. Work and rest. <laughs> Summer vacation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is the spiritual disciplines and the spiritual practices. I'm looking forward to the next six weeks. If you have questions or things you want us to talk about on the podcast once we come back in the fall, you can let us know by going to the media tab on our website at mercyroadnw.com. We encourage you to do that. Uh, and on our website, you'll also be able to find more details and information about our community. And you can get a hold of me or Luke there as well if you go to our staff page. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you again soon. Soon.